All right, today we're here with the Bloom boys. We have Josh, Noah, and Caleb Bloom sharing a race car, the 37B. Boys, how you doing? Oh, good, not how too bad. Good, how about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I think we broke Connor. <laughs> Them two, like, lean in together like they're trying to kiss each other. <laughs> and it's, hey, now, here we go. These cars, they ain't nervous, though. Keep those pedals on the floor. Gotta make them wanna come back from more. Been here since the sun went down. White flag when we come back around. Worked all week, it's time to race. Gonna get a little bit sideways. Sideways. Alright, guys. Uh, welcome on the show here. Uh, Josh, you wanna get into a little bit of your background, how you got in? Oh uh, yeah, so um, I'm 18. I was born in 2005. My dad was around it all his life, or all of us, ever since he was like 20 or so. Um, he got his first race car in 2007 when I was two, so I've pretty much been around it all all my life, basically. Um, I briefly remember early in his career, he he was always front like a front of the pack runner, but he never really capitalized on it, or never really had the equipment to capitalize on it. So when I was about four, remember this letter, we got his first win, and I, I just remember, like, oh, this is really cool. I'd, I really want to do this, you know. And, <clears throat> um, you know, what year was it, 2021? 2021, we had a bunch of friends get together, and we scrounged to get a car. We bought this car off Andy Frey, and uh, it, was, it was a good car for a while, and then we saw some rough spots on it, so we got another car, and, that one was pretty good for a while, and we found some rough spots in that. So, you know, this year we finally got some good equipment under us with Kenny McLaughlin and Rebel Chassis, you know, building us a car. So we're hoping that we have some pretty good luck this year and maybe find victory later. That'd be awesome. Uh, on to the next Bloom Boy, Noah. You want to tell us how you, uh, you know, your background and, and everything? Well, I was born in 2002, was around was hanging around dad and Trent Ogden whenever he was still helping Trent, the old pro stock. I don't remember him getting Trent's first car. The first very fond memory I have is dad driving it into the front stretch wall at Hummingbird. That was not a good night. And I believe it was 2009, dad put the car in victory lane for the first time and I remember running up the hill with the trophy, just screaming the entire time until we got back to our hill spot. You fuckers took it from me, I'm just saying. <laughs> I didn't get to hold the flag or take the trophy. Well, I wasn't even looking at the camera when they took the photos, so that explains anything. And then <clears throat> started really getting into just cars in general. I'd even say before I started school, race cars are actually how I learned my numbers when I was in kindergarten. That goes to show how much I've loved this sport since I was little, and we got our first car in 2021 and had we had a couple rough patches here and there between 21 and now. We've had a couple of decent runs. I feel like I've had not some of the greatest luck behind the wheel. I mean, I like to hit the wall, but I'm not going to get into that. Not yet, I was gonna say we're we're definitely gonna get into that later. <laughs> yeah, God. Uh, Caleb, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? And I don't know you know how to get into it. Um, I'm Caleb, <laughs> and I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> Shake and bake. 
Uh, I'm 24. Ended up getting into the sport pretty much my whole life. Dad, I remember taking us to Hidden Valley when it first opened up under the Laziers and everything. He's been around it since, I think he said, around 96, 97, helping George Sankey. Then once he had us three, he ended up getting us into it, bringing us around more. I remember being in the shop with him and Trent all the time, working on Trent's car. Then, like they said, back around 2009, he got his first car off of Trent. It was 07. 07? 07 with the green, not green, it was orange. Orange, red, black, you know. We ended up starting out up on the hill just watching Dad and all his buddies having a good time. And then once we started going around uh, Amp, uh, when it opened back up, we were. Uh, I ended up going into the pits with Dad a lot, and he got me into learning more about the cars and everything. And then once uh, we decided to get tired of Amp, we just moved on to Hummingbird, and that's been home ever since. About 2009, like they said, Dad picked up his first win. And Josh, being Josh, crying about not getting the trophy and everything. <laughs> I just wanted to participate. In <laughs> <laughs> Dad's had a lot of rough patches in his career and everything, being around the sport for so long. He, Noah, Josh, and Dad got a hold of me while I was out hanging out with friends and everything and said, hey, we're picking up a car, and would you want to get into it? And I was all for it. And once we started working on the car, we couldn't thank anybody enough how much help they gave us, anywhere from Tim Stice, Jimmy Challensworth, and his family, just giving us pieces to get our first car together. And we've had a couple good runs, and then a lot of bad luck coming from practice, me not getting to run a car, and thanking Dustin for letting me take some laps in his after, you know, Noah blew it up in the first session. But our first year, we couldn't ask for a better year. We had a couple bad nights, a lot of good nights, waking up the next morning with our stomachs hurting. A lot of front bumpers we went through, too. Uh, that's coming from the one who hit the tires the most. Uh, not wrong. It's not hard, it's not hard to do. It's not no. hard at all. I'm sure your dad has a couple bumpers up there. It's claimed a tire, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a tire at first, then it was Jimmy. You got to remember that. So. And then it was the backstretch wall. Mm-hmm. So just to, just to clarify to all of our listeners, you all three run the same car. Yes. Yes. And that's the thirty-seven B. Yes. Yep. Pure stock. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you guys pay a lot of a lot of homage to your dad, but aside from him, who's your your racing idol? And we'll start left to right with Noah. Josh. 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 Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> It happens all the I time. Have a, I have it written down. <laughs> so, the off. when I was little, I, I was always a Tony Stewart fan. I loved basically how he, did, how he didn't give a shit who he was racing, who he didn't care. He would race anybody the same as, you know, his basic quote was, I would wreck my mother to win a championship. I, I don't know if I'd go that far with a dirt track championship, but I, I'd wreck my brothers for it, that's for sure. But, <laughs> but no, the, the guy I look to now, and I'm, everybody's going to say I jumped on the bandwagon, was uh is a Kyle Larson now. He's just the stuff he does is insane. Um, I've I've watched him since he was with Chip Ganassi Racing with the forty two. He was he's just like every one of us, you know. He had his struggles and at the beginning of his career, and it's just he's gotten better equipment. He's gotten a lot of training. He's gotten he's just gotten better, you know. And everybody else says, oh, it's the money, it's the money. And I think anybody that watches him can see it's pure talent. 
Money doesn't make you a better driver. It, it gives no. you better equipment, but yep. it doesn't make you a better That's driver. That's for sure. Agreed. And uh, 2021, I, I was burned, and this is why I'm such a big fan. I got burned, and uh, my friends Mia and Tony went, went to Bristol, and it was covered in dirt, and they went up to Kyle and said, hey, there's this kid. He's, he's from Pennsylvania. He was burned. He's in the hospital right now. Will you talk to him? So it was it was pretty neat. I got a FaceTime call from Kyle Larson while we were working on our our race car in the driveway, and it was I didn't know what to say. I was just speechless. He he basically just said, "Hope you're doing well," and uh, I got a signed T-shirt out of it and a pretty cool memory. So that's awesome. <clears throat> Noah, as far as like racing idols go, I'd have to say Trent Ogden because Trent and I have always gotten along. I mean, him and I fuck with each other now and again whenever we see each other but i remember vividly being in the garage with him and dad and him scaring the shit out of me whenever they started the car up at some point that happened a lot when i was little could probably say the same with any of the three of us Caleb, uh just as far as local dirt cars i remember growing up dad made us custom ornaments and everything josh for local driver was of course fuzzy fields he just fell in love watching fuzzy race noah was dad of course he loved to suck up the dad when it came time to being in the garage he you was just, always you there you just sucked up the mommy didn't you <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh boy brotherly uh, love oh yeah definitely uh, and i remember growing up uh, just watching denny fenton race with dad in his first couple years i just loved watching denny his family was always really good to us even now scott and dylan couldn't thank them enough for the sponsorship but as far as uh, probably professionally, I'd probably have to go with either Dale Earnhardt Jr. or oh, Kevin Harvick. Those were two of my favorites uh, growing up, and even maybe even Bobby Labonte. I remember uh, Chucky Records picking on me when his uh, wife, Shorty, at the time, used to babysit us. Uh, they would just call him Bobby Labonte, and me being a young kid, I'd get mad and pissed off at him and just yell. But... Just the way they drove and how clean they raced, and they just would give people the same treatment they gave you on the track. If you bumped them, they'd bump you back, and then they'd let you know their displeasement after the race. How would you guys describe your driving styles, and also how would you describe your brother's driving styles? Um, so I, I'm kind of a little bit everywhere. I want to say like I. I listen to a lot of people. I, I I listen to my dad a lot, but I try and listen to everybody that and just take in what they're trying to say because whether like we've been in a car for three years, but whether we like it or not, we probably have a season and a half under our belts from rotating and doing this. So I would say I'm more of a learner and I try new things out. Um, I'm like bottom the middle is what I like just because that's seems like where there's the most grip and I can get the car the straightest. Noah's kind of a wild man if if you will he's 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 the fuzzy fields of our crew i want to say because he's just balls to the wall i don't care if i hit the wall at all he just he just wants to go fast i don't have the winds to back that up either if that says anything <laughs> but <laughs> that that's what makes him a really good driver sometimes that's what makes him a really bad driver sometimes because sometimes on a hammer down track that's what you got to do you got to get up on the wheel and just go for it and just just drive the car yeah and Caleb i Caleb is a very smooth, very patient driver. Sometimes I think he's too patient because I just think he's too nice to people. Sometimes if if a guy's chopping you off every other corner, sometimes you just got to give him give him the boot and 
not not spin them out, but <laughs> not spin them out. But I'd say just let them know you're there, and maybe you won't maybe you won't come down on you. And okay, turn them into a door, go through them. Eight wheel turn four. But yeah, so I'd say if you watch us a lot, three of us are alike because I feel like we're I feel like we're all three pretty smooth when we want to be, but all of us drive different at the end of the day, though. So yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm gonna go a little bit along the lines with Josh and my driving style. I'm kind of a hammerhead. I don't like to listen sometimes. Dad will give me an input on something to do on a track, and sometimes it stays in my head, and other times it goes in one ear and goes out the other one. Gets lost in the helmet cushion. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Josh, he's smooth and calculated, like with restarts and whatnot. Sometimes he does that too much. In my eyes. Ask Noah's buddy Raven about that one time. <laughs> I, t- I tore the nose off our car a little bit. That's another story for later. <laughs> Caleb, him and Josh are smooth, calculated. Or sometimes we've all agreed at some point. Caleb's sometimes slow. I remember one time during our first year, Dad yelled at him and asked him if he figured out where the fucking gas pedal was at <laughs> some point. <laughs> Maybe you should ask Connor that one time or two. <laughs> or I think he maybe he might use it too much. That's why he spins out so much. Man. That's also why he backed it into the fence <laughs> well, at Hidden I, Valley. I, I, you know what? I've backed into the fence at Hidden Valley twice. Caleb, Caleb didn't even back it, and he drove the whole damn car up on the wall one time. <laughs> I, the problem was I was listening to too many people yeah. telling me too many yep. things, and eventually I just did what Connor wanted to do with the car, yep. and it, it, it it worked. At the end of the day, you're you're the man behind the wheel. I think that's one thing all three of us have to get in our minds is that nobody else can make that decision other than you. So, Caleb, uh, I'd say, like the other two said, with Josh, he is uh, he's smooth at points, and sometimes he just gets a little overly aggressive with his driving, and he just gets pissed off. Um, I remember one time, just in the last season. Dad tried talking to him, and he just he would not take any advice from him. And then Noah, being a wild child, he just he's grown up watching Fuzzy just wheel the shit out of a car, and sometimes he just overdrives it and ends up getting into other cars, backing it in the three and four wall. It, uh, it happens to <laughs> everybody. I mean, I would agree with them. Like with me, I'm a little cautious with driving. I want to say, but. The last race of the season, Dad and Josh did some changes to the car, and they just came up to me. They didn't tell me what they did. They're like, we just did some changes to the car. We just want you to go out and drive it. And it, sometimes I'm aggressive. Sometimes I just want to be patient, and I'm a little overly patient with some people. So you break less shit. I don't want to say I break less shit. Absolutely. Josh yes. breaks the most shit. Bumpers. Josh yeah. has more Motors. bumpers. Noah's the motor. Yeah. Noah's the motor. And I remember practice. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember from practice, uh, our second year, we had a transmission from Tim Stice. And I came around three and four, and just something went wrong. And I heard a bang. Dad's out there screaming, start the damn thing up. We get it hauled in, look underneath, and it just shredded the hell out of the transmission case, cracked everything. So we know that you all three drive the car. What is your biggest obstacle besides not having enough seat time? You know, what when you get in that car, what do you fight amongst another? So, 
and dad tells us not to do this, and sometimes it sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But I feel like the biggest obstacle for all three of us, because Noah never played sports, but I know he's he's a very competitive person. We constantly try and over exceed each other's expectations. Like one of us had say a fifth place finish. Oh, I need to get a fifth or better that day, and or this or that. And I feel like sometimes it's just we. We try and beat each other too much than beat, beat ourselves from the last time we drove. And sometimes I feel like everybody has to take that into effect that you have to beat yourself. Then you have to beat yourself from the last time you drove. You got to do things better. You got to hit your line better. You got to, you just got to be calmer, be smoother, heck, be faster and be stupider. Sometimes that's the better option to do. But like I said, we just try and beat each other rather than beat ourselves from the last time you drove i'm gonna side with josh a little bit on this we all try to like beat each other like if one finishes better than you did the last week you automatically think oh i gotta get this place or better this week and then for the most part that ends up biting you in the ass half the time because you drive in over your head and you end up with broke shit yeah, yeah, and that, that really gets to you because you, I mean, I've watched you guys race. I mean, the car is definitely competitive, you know, so go go ahead, Caleb. Uh, I'd say about over-competitiveness. Uh, me and Josh, growing up, we played sports all our life. Noah, just, he saw us being over-competitive with each other, and that's our main obstacle with that. It's either that or uh, we just... Noah mainly the the rookie class we grew up with he he wants to be consistently better he wants to beat this person beat that person me and Josh on the other hand it would probably come down to our our football mentality coming out just wanting to beat anybody beat even beating our brothers in a position battle and I remember beginning of this uh, mom said if it gets too ever competitive and you guys start fighting the car is going to be parked and that's it. That's why you don't tell mom. <laughs> Never tell mom. No. She uh, only no. sees what she hears. Uh, no, trust me, mom sees a lot more than she hears, dude. <laughs> I've been around 24 years and I've seen it enough. <laughs> well, pulling out the age card here. You're fucking old. Uh, what uh, what do you guys see your future as racing? I know uh, what Noah, you started racing four wheeler. Um, well, Josh seems still committed. racing four wheeler, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, so me and Dad had this conversation the other day. We we can't share a car for forever. You know, he there's some people at the track that are already bitching and moaning about three drivers in a car and about how it's unfair to everybody else, which I don't I don't still don't understand that. But like, I'm sure that. It can't make it any easier I, at all. I, I, I don't see how it's a problem. I don't. I don't. We make the track more money because it's two more pit passes in the pits every week. Oh, I know a track I would like that. <laughs> That's for next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> but like, we we can't share a car for forever. And you know, I I love the pure stock class. I think it's gonna continue to continue to grow. You know, so I I would like to get my own or even an E mod because I feel like an E mod class is gonna grow too. But I feel like. My future in dirt racing is just to continue having fun with my brothers and my family every week. Right. As for me, like my future plans, I'd love to be in a small block modified, but with how some stuff's going on nowadays, I'm 
starting to get into a little bit of the woods racing. That season just finished. I ended up second in points in that in my class. And because of where I'm employed at, I'm possibly thinking of getting into doing some autocross stuff too. I mean, that might be sacrilege because it's asphalt, but <laughs> it's something cool that I'd like to eventually get into, but it might be five, hell, even ten years down the road before that even happens. Uh, my future, I'd love to stay in the street stock, or yeah, street stock, like dad. He's been in that class for years, but the pure stock class, I would love to stay in it and help the new drivers coming up into it. Like, Dominic Macchiori came in with us uh, this year. It was his rookie year. We helped out as much as possible, trying to get him to calm down out of his go-kart mentality. But my future, I would love to stay around pure stock, street stock. Everybody's dream is to become a big-time late-model driver, like the Lucas Oil or the World Outlaws. But my my future just consists on staying around the local dirt racing. I would love to go higher, but I think this is where my heart's at is local dirt racing at. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. We'll we'll start again with you, Josh. What is your your dream class? If you could drive any car out there, dirt, whatever, what would it be? What class are you running? So I I really like to watch the uh what is it the superstar um modified series i can't remember like the sstes series or something like that is it the dirt track super series yes yes that um you know those things are just badass i'm just gonna be quite honest the the big side panels they're just sweet and you know that's what that's what dad grew up doing with sankey and you know it's it's really neat so i'd love to drive one of those or even i'm a big hudson o'neill fan i know not a lot of people are fans of him either but i I love late models. I've loved late models since we were little. And I just, either one of those two classes is my dream class. Just because if you are there racing with your idols, you're going to learn something. Mine would have to be, it don't matter what series of them, the UMP mods. Because I just think there's something cool with trying to hook something up with 700 horsepower on 8-inch tires. And seeing what the... E-mod classes around here, I feel like if they would possibly change the rule package up a little bit, it'd be cool to see them running around Humminbird more than once, maybe twice a year when the Renegades come. Are there Renegades UMP mods? Yes. Okay. So, that'd probably be my choice. I mean, a friend of mine had an E-mod at one point before he got rid of it for a late model, of all things, that I was going to end up getting a drive. But he ended up buying a semi late. I don't know why he'd go to that class. <laughs> Ouch! Loser. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't. There's so many classes going around anymore with the professional series that you see on Flow. Um, one that you don't see around Central PA. Honestly, I think a sprint car. Don't matter. Four ten, three o five, three three sixty. I would. Love to be in a sprint car, just the fact it being lightweight, badass horsepower, or even maybe the late models. I would love to be in one of those. Any car, really. I don't have a specific series I would love to be in. Just get in and drive. Just get in and try it out. I remember one time, though, <laughs> back at Amp, uh, Jimmer Zager had his 305 there, and 
he told dad the one night, he goes, I'll let you hot laugh this thing if you get your fat ass down in the car was his exact <laughs> words. And he was damn near close. He just needed to get that steering wheel on the hub. And <laughs> Jimmer, being Jimmer, he's in the trailer just saying, get the shoehorn out. Get his ass out of the car if he can't get the fucking wheel on. All right, keeping it on Dream Street, what would be a track you guys would like to, to make a trip to, uh, regardless of class, regardless of car, uh, money not an option, what track across the U.S.? I'm I'm gonna go with two here because I just I can't pick one. The one is it's coming up. It's dirt in December with the Gateway Dirt Nationals. I feel like that thing. I it's it's a track built in what two weeks or something, and it's rutted up. It's rough. It's elbows up, but it's just a plain old badass track in a football stadium. So I just the atmosphere of that I feel like is awesome because you can pretty much see anything that's going on other than the pits, which honestly is that's probably one of the most exciting parts is the pits. So you could walk out of the stadium and go see it. And I feel like a lot of people's dream tracks outside is uh, Eldora. Eldora is just sweet. It's It can either get slick, you know, slide or die track or elbows up one lane. And I think, I think elbows up is the best because one person makes a mistake, you're going to see carnage. So I feel like mine, if they'd ever do it again, would probably have to be whenever they put dirt on Bristol. Just with the banking that that track has, I feel like it would just be badass to put the right rear on the cushion and just hammer down all the way around as long as you don't put it in the wall like I have a tendency to do. (laughs) On more than one occasion. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, If I had to go with, I'm going to go with two, uh, one being asphalt, one being dirt. I had to uh, pick one. I'd probably say Port Royal. I've had a bunch of people go down and say just how badass the atmosphere is and how good the track is. I've never seen any big complaints about Port Royal track surface or the atmosphere. And if I had to pick an asphalt, it'd probably be the king of all asphalt, Daytona, the Daytona 500. Uh, Just seeing cars do 200 mile an hour around that place is just badass. Just the fast, fast times and everything. Just a NASCAR atmosphere would be awesome to go to. So we heard a little bit from Noah early on. Who is your real inspiration? You know, Noah, you said about Trent and hanging out with him, that crazy guy. I mean, he's he's <laughs> something else. Yeah, I can, uh, he's going to need a bigger helmet after you know, this episode. And I'm sure your dad's going to be in there, mm-hmm. you know, as, as well as my dad was – you know, a huge part in my racing. Absolutely. But uh, you always have your, you know, your other favorite, I should say. Yeah. You know, who who else gave you that inspiration? You know, you always sought out in the pits or or went to or, or something like that. When I was a kid, I was, like Caleb said earlier, I was always a big Fuzzy Fields fan. You know, I, I loved them. I had a Christmas ornament of them on our Christmas tree, and I think we still hang it up. And that was... That's when I was little, but I, I'm still a huge fan of them to this day. But a local guy that has just gotten exceptionally well and has been doing well is, I would say, Paul Cott. Um, Paul's just a – he's a great dude. We park beside him. We both run American Racers, which are getting back on the market, I'm just saying. Um, Not a sponsor. Elias <laughs> Tire, Indiana, PA. Just saying. Psst. <laughs> um, he's just 
he's so smooth, and he's any anywhere he goes at Hummingbird Speedway, he'll go to the front. Um, I've seen him, I've seen him destroy infield tires and still drive past people like they're sitting still. You know, I've seen him jump to the top with this new chassis he got a couple years ago and send it right to the front. And he's just, just the way he drives and the way he carries himself is just that's who a kid that's walking around the stands wants to be. And like you said, Justin, my dad. My dad's always in there, but if I had to choose somebody who's not family and not not basically family, I would have to choose Paul Cott. Mine would be one of the people that helped us out the most when it came to getting our peer stock together. It'd have to be Jimmy Challensworth. He helped us with engine pieces, putting an engine together for us, multiple engines, I should say. He's also helped us a lot, a little bit off-topic, on-topic, is he's helped us out a lot with four-wheeler stuff, putting machines together for me and Josh, helping us out with that. Uh, like you said, Justin, dad being our our main inspiration, getting into the racing, giving us the opportunity to be around the environment. And then growing up, I was a big Denny Fenton fan. Just He was a down-to-earth guy. He was always willing to go out of his way to come over to our family and talk to us. Now, if I had to... Now, me being grown up, if I had to pick one, he didn't. I didn't really know much of him until we started getting around pure stocks, and he started getting dad to letter his car. It's probably Tim and Jimmy. Like they gave us the most help we could ask for getting a car set up. And Tim, he's just a a wheelman. He just anywhere he goes, he can drive straight to the front. And if he doesn't, uh, in his typical fashion, I love him to death, but he just loves the bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Because of, of that cheating motor he has in from you. Know, damn right, it's a $30,000 uh, roller street stock, pure stock, whatever. Right. They're almost the same damn thing now. Then Jimmy, he's just a down-to-earth guy. You could walk up to him and just know he's intelligent with a lot of his stuff, four-wheelers, race cars, motors. He's just one intelligent guy. And you couldn't ask for a nicer guy to go over and talk to and just bullshit with. Yeah. So we, we talk a lot about on-the-track stuff. What's your favorite... Uh, part of the race weekend off the track? I would say, like, on the way to the track, you know, like, when, you know, we drive separate sometimes, sometimes we ride together, and sometimes the ride to the track is just the best because you're getting all antsy, you're getting to drive the race car, you're getting to work on a race car, and there's just a bunch of bullshit flying through the air of, you know, we're going to say, oh, this guy's going to wreck it, or, oh, this guy's going to wreck it, or, you know. <laughs> or, I, truthfully, I would just say anything... That has to do with working on the race car, going to the racetrack is the best part. Just because it's it's what you do, it's what we know, it's it's just fun. Mine's got to be the giant bullshit sessions that happen before the races start and have to be the ones that happen after the races, which most of them will end up going. The race will get done, I don't know, 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, and then you'll end up standing in the pits drinking bullshit until one o'clock in the morning don't get home until 2 a.m oh justin and i are usually the last people to leave <laughs> it's not we are too don't feel bad i've watched the sun come up <laughs> <laughs> uh, like josh said the the ride on the way to the racetrack me being living at home with my girlfriend and everything i i don't get to be up there all the time so once we get to ride with each other just the the shit stern and the antsiness uh, of the ride to the track is 
one of probably my favorite ones. And after the races, like Noah said, the giant bullshit session afterwards. As long as you had a good night and you're not pissed off, it's it's a good night regardless. As long as you're these two are having fun and Dad's having fun, I, I'm having fun with it. So I'll uh, I'll combat that question with what do you dislike about the race car? What is your race car or race weekend? Yeah, well, race weekend. A lot of the worst parts is, you know, you're, you're getting ready, you're getting the car loaded, the car's all loaded, you're getting ready to leave, and pours down rain. I, I think that's sacrilege. FRC. FRC. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking rain clouds. That's not staying. Just saying. Um, but, yeah. you know, during the races, I would say when they're not canceled, the worst part is sometimes when you just, you just have bad luck. I, I know it's part of it, but it the shit sucks. I like, and especially small stuff like electrical gremlins or, you know, stuff that you know you can control. <laughs> uh, we are taking Snapchat and sending them to Gary Little, and Josh can't keep a straight face. <laughs> you know, just the the little gremlins that you know you can control from work you do throughout the week. It's the worst part because it can be stopped. You can you can stop parts from breaking if you if you take them off and clean them or take them off and grease them or this or that but sometimes you know you get caught up in life and sometimes you just can't and the worst part's when something you can't control goes wrong i'm gonna agree with josh on that because we've had several nights where stuff that could have been avoided has went wrong and we've ended three and up four with wall. three and four wall yes josh stuff that could have been avoided ended up turning into a giant problem and then you're spending an hour or so down in the pits Trying to get the car beating back together for the and, feature, yeah. beating body pan- beating body panels out, trying to find parts, put the car back together so you can just make it out on the track for the night. Uh, there's no other way to really explain it. The other two pretty much hit the nail on the head with it. It's just a little gremlin shit that goes on throughout the week. You get hit with life and you can't get into the garage and you just miss simple shit in the garage. And ends up going from a lug nut to just a simple bolt, even just a electrical shit and then on the racetrack probably just dealing with stupid drivers who can't keep a straight line there's been plenty <laughs> and I, but i think we all can attest we have been one at one yeah, time we've been we yeah. all have we, been one at one time everybody's been it, one it's funny how when the the tables turn how easy it is to be the mad one yes and yeah. remind yourself like we were that guy holy shit that was yeah and it was us, what, two years Tr- ago? Truthfully, it's it's still quite possibly is us. You know? Yeah. But because we're in there every third week, and you sometimes you can't control what you do, and you don't get seat time. So. Yeah. that's Like Josh said, that's the issue with rotating every third week. You learn once, learn something one week, and you're like, I need to do that, and do it again, do it again. But being in every three weeks, you remember some things, then you forget some things. That's probably my top tier thing off the track is just rotating every third week and forgetting certain things. So one of the reasons I started the podcast was kind of to introduce the public to drivers. When I came, when I started watching dirt racing, I didn't know who anybody was. I just like watching carnage Mm -hmm. uh, and things go fast. What's something that you guys as probably some of the younger guys in the sport think can be done to kind of help influence crowds and influence uh, butts and seats and whatnot um so one thing i would say is i i know we're young and you know we're the youth of this generation 
I think that's the biggest thing is just keeping the youth involved, you know, whether it's taking the race cars to a school or taking them to a car show and seeing one little kid's face, you know, light up with a smile just because all that's a race car. I think the big thing is just keeping people involved, keeping the younger kids involved. I think that's the big thing. And then another thing is just don't be an asshole when you know there's kids around because I feel like that puts a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth that they see one bad guy and it ruins the sport for Oh, and as, as especially when I know I've given tickets away to families like state college and stuff who don't really understand what's over on this side of the mountain and you get those people coming over and then you see some some belligerency and they're probably not going to come back because they don't want their kids to see that. Uh, and you turn the tables and sometimes they're going to see a great show and they're going to tell their friends about it. So, yeah, I definitely think the way we carry ourselves is pretty important. I think uh, another thing is I know you guys are love Hidden Valley, and I, a lot of people love Hidden Valley, but that's that's why we love Hummingbird is because, you know, they try and keep the youth involved. They have a kids' club that a local some local wives do. It keeps the, the little, little kids, you know, that are three and four running around playing with cars in the dirt. It keeps them involved. It keeps them getting to know some of the drivers, and it honestly makes us as drivers want to do better for them because we just know how much they're looking up to us. So. Right. Shout out, Peach. This is my opinion but it's like keep all your unnecessary stupid bullshit to yourself like if you had a bad night don't go around fucking bitching and moaning to everybody about oh this happened blah 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 blah. i'm never coming back it's like also and this is probably one of the biggest reasons that people aren't coming to the dirt tracks is keep it off social media because people see that type of shit and are like oh them people are dirty, nasty, they're assholes. We don't want to give them our money, pretty much. So, it's like, just keep all your drama basically to yourself. I mean, you're going to have disagreements with people in the pits, and people are going to see it. You're never going to be able to get around that. Man up and keep it face-to-face. Keep it face-to-face. Be respectful about it. Don't go over to a dude bitching and screaming about something stupid that happened on the track. Trying to fight (laughs) 15-year-olds. That's for next week. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> like Josh said, um, you got to keep the the younger generation around it, the ones that have been around it, or ones that haven't been coming to the racetrack at all. Just um, get them included in it, uh, like Peach and them do. Get the kids club and start promoting more kid friendly things, like get activities and stuff. I remember growing up, Peach and them used to have like a tire changing or a spark plug changing station right down there by pit gate. So you can end up seeing the drivers getting their cars ready, and you're doing pretty much the same things they are. It's a good thing, and it's a bad thing. you got to try and promote your stuff on social media. You're going to have your fair share of people praising the track, how how good it is, how good the work employees are, and then you're going to have people bitching and complaining about the same things. It's a double-edged sword. Yep. And Noah hit another one. Just try and keep it face-to-face. Like, keep a... A civil thing. I know that's going to be hard when you're spending your hard-earned money on it. Um, and you're going to have your fair shares of physical altercations with it. But you just need to try and keep that out of the youth size. I know they're going to, once they start getting older, they're going to understand it more and more. But try and keep it as clean and kid-friendly as you can and make the public want to come to the racetracks. No matter where you're at, even Hidden Valley, Hummingbird, 
or Marion Center, a bunch of your local tracks. Wherever, I mean, there's there's little ears about everywhere. Yes. Yeah, you know. no matter what track you go oh, to, yeah. there's going to be it's important kids. for the hotheads to to understand that we're grassroots racing here. None of us are racing for thirty thousand dollars. None of us have it. Not none of us have a shot. I don't want to like shoot people down. We're not doing it for that reason. Yeah, we're doing it for the fun. Yeah, we're right. doing it for fun. We're not we're not in this sport for money. I've been in it for a long time. My grandfather raced. My my grandfather built Hidden Valley Speedway. Mm-hmm. Him and his brother. Watched my dad. You know, he took my dad racing for the first time. We got into it. I mean, we. I was born on their first Hub City race. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been around it all my life. And like you guys said, keeping it keeping it real, keeping it PG thirteen. It's. It's the best way to be. Yes, absolutely. Definitely, definitely, definitely want to get the kids involved. If you want to do it. Yeah. I mean, if you continue to want to see grassroots racing yep. in small tracks, small towns, that's that's where it's going to stay. With that being said, you know, we've, we've talked about getting kids into it. And was it last year you guys had the cars in a parade float? This that, year. Was this oh, year. that was this year. Yeah, this year, yeah. Any any upcoming plans like that this year? Or? Well, I Palace Towing, Dustin Palace is who originally brought up the idea because he he has a store in Hast not a store a shop in Hastings, Lily. He just opened a shop in a Clearfield as well, and we can't thank him enough because he he's come on as a sponsor and you know he's helped a bunch. So we're gonna we're gonna see if maybe we can make it happen again and maybe even do it bigger and better yeah because i mean that was awesome to see a race car in the fair parade we we would love to get a bunch of local tracks in and have you know their banners on on our cars even if we don't race at them we still just still we spread had a, the word yes just spread the word we had a couple banners but dad did just spell check make it. sure you spell check the banner before you decide <laughs> yeah. to put it on Jam. the side of the tow truck <laughs> yeah so but we had a big banner that said support your local dirt tracks and i feel like that's the the major thing is you know we don't have dirt vision or flow here so you can't and as much way i'd say it that money is not going to the local racetrack it's not it's going to that provider and i I don't fault them for that that's how they're making money but the best way to support your local dirt track is going to them yeah yeah i mean get our get our world out to everybody else something that we've done i'd say since we got our peer stock out is kerwinsville area high school always has this event every year it's called logs of lumber it's for the logging industry, agriculture, stuff of that caliber. We'll take both cars there each year and set them up, and we'll start them up here and there, rev them up. It's going to be an asshole for saying this, but it's kind of fun to see little kids bug their ears as soon as you light the car off. <laughs> yeah, oh, but they smile. They do smile, oh, yeah. yes. That's, that's, the, that's why we do it, you know. I would encourage everybody when you have the chance. I get made fun of. I've been called a trophy queen because I take my car to car shows and stuff. But I, like you said, one of you said earlier, the, the smile on the kid's face makes it so worth it. I care less about the trophy or, or the competition. It's about it's about the kids and, and seeing them involved and the parents asking, where is this at? And then next thing you know, there being five, six extra people at the track cheering. Uh, like Noah said, with the Logs to Lumber event that Kerwinsville Area High School throws on, just me being at work and then getting to go up there for a half hour, getting to see the kid's face and just getting to see them smile and enjoy the cars and just 
maybe they weren't motorheads at one point and now them getting to hear the car and getting to experience them being there in person they're going to end up becoming a motorhead in their near future and then you're not the only one i see on social media with putting your car in a car show connor i've seen a couple other people with their dirt cars or even their street cars just you got to end up putting yourself out there getting the tracks well known and josh said you guys even said it putting our cars in a parade even if you don't go to that track putting every local track banner that you can on that car would significantly increase the number of people going to there and just wanting to go experience it no matter what their first taste is about it or not that's just another ticket sale and another way of increasing the vulnerability of the tracks and everything <clears throat> so how's the work get divided i mean you're three guys working on the same car i mean obviously for the same reason y'all want to race uh do you all have a specific time you just decide you're going to meet up or you just you go do your thing so throughout the off season this is how we figure out the order throughout the off season you know it it sucks to think of it this way but the money you spend with the work you put into the car is how you get to drive um so like the order goes say noah me caleb or caleb me noah or you know any other order it and all of us we all put in a shit ton of work. It so it I'm not trying to take credit for doing all the work or doing the least amount of work. We all put in a ton of work. So, you know, we we have a pretty good discussion every year close to race season on what the order should be and we all agree on it. But throughout the race season we all normally Sunday or Monday or even Saturday night, what day do you want to work on it? We it's normally a Tuesday and a Thursday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday or something and we all kind of go do our thing like Caleb and Noah are pretty good at nut and bolt in the car and I'm I don't want to say this meanly but I'm I'm a very mechanical person so like I'm a motor guy I'm the rear end guy or I'm anything I'm just I'm I can pretty much do a little bit of a little bit of everything and so can they but sometimes they know more than I do or I know more than they do so we all got really good at banging out body panels for the last three years. <laughs> <laughs> That's credit to all three of us. I'm just, <laughs> I'm not gonna deny that. Uh, okay, here's here's a question from your father. Is your dad an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> Depends what you think an asshole is. Is an asshole screaming at you in the pits, or is that being dad? I think that's tough love. It is. That's what well, truthfully we, with dad not around, we call him an asshole a ton, and I'm sure he does the same thing to us. But that's what dads do. I think all three of us can attest to that, that, you know, we've all been screamed at in the pits. I I know that for a fact. We've not screamed at, but yelled at because... Stern we, talking to. Yeah, because we fucked up. And I know we don't want to admit it right then and there, but we are the ones that messed up. So I think all, I think them two can attest to it. That's, that's dad. I, I hate to say it. I hate to say it for spoiled little rich kids. You think, you know, I can do anything and their dad yelling at them and, you know, throwing their hands up asking what are you being an asshole for that's that's what dads do i agree with josh on that because we've all had our fair share of fuck-ups and dads came over and brought you back to reality brought us yeah, back to yeah. reality at some point whether it be something simple or something stupid that you shouldn't have done on the track or even just us giving each other shit <laughs> Like Josh said, it's dad being dad, being stern with us. We've grown up with it, uh, just being stern and 
letting us know when we're being an asshole or we end up saying it behind his back that dad's an asshole because he did this, he did that. But that's just kids being kids and dad being dad. Uh, probably me being the oldest, I've been more, I don't want to say screamed or yelled at, more sternly talked to more than the other two. Uh, I just remember, I can't remember if it was what, the last two years we had the black and green car. Me and me and dad have gotten into screaming matches in the pits. It, that's just me being bullheaded, not wanting to listen, and him giving advice and just me not taking it into advance and seeing how it needs to be done. He, the way dad tries to explain it to me without being an asshole is I, I was really involved with football my whole life. I've been a, a big sports head, and he tries to explain it to me in football terms, and he's trying to be what my coach would have been. But and it all comes down to just dad wanting to see you succeed and do the best you can ever do and anything you can do, whether it's on the track, off the track, or even me stepping up to being a father now. Like, he wants to see me become a better dad than what he was. I'll break a damn tear to my eye. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm jealous because I'm a first-generation racer. I've... Uh, it was a date night that turned into an expensive hobby for me. I've never been around it other than, you know, my wrenching comes from military stuff with uh, aircraft and whatnot. So I have the knowledge, but the, the growing up around it and having the support is, is, I know for a lot of people it's, it's common, but it's, it's something I'm extremely jealous of. And truthfully, I know we talk about a bunch about our dad and our dad this and our dad that, but our dad was first generation too. You know, our our pap wasn't our pap was a motorhead, but he wasn't a dirt track racer. You know, he he loved his he loved his Monte Carlos, he loved his bake motors, he loved his small block Chevys and whatnot. But he he wasn't a dirt track racer. And once once our dad started, he was like, it's it's a waste of money, it's a waste of money. Which I mean, I think sometimes yes, it is. But there was one night in a uh, what was it twenty twenty eighteen. The night is probably the scariest night I would say of our lives, when uh our we saw our dad get life lighted from Humming Bird Speedway. Our our pap has been there for his highest highs when he got his first feature one to his lowest lows when he got life lighted, you know. And seeing the support around, what age were we? You were what age, Caleb? Seventeen. I was I was a fifteen year old, sixteen no, not even probably thirteen year old photographer in the in the infield that didn't know what was going on. All they said was they were life lighting the driver, and I had no idea. I walked down, and I would see the EMT's hands wrapped around my dad's neck because they weren't sure what was going to happen. But a after that, my pap finally saw how much it meant to us and how much they supported us. And I don't, I'm not going to say be super sentimental, but your dad's really good for the sport. Absolutely. So he's well-spoken and he cares about everybody out there at every track um the wealth of knowledge i know we've done the show with him but even before that i i look up to him a lot he loves to stir the shit pot every once in a while now <laughs> yeah, too. We, that, <laughs> tune, tune in next week by the, way. <laughs> the after dark episode coming soon so back to you guys racing so 
what's your best finish? You know, I, we've heard about you being competitive and, and everything like that. You know, Josh, we'll start with you. What's your best finish in the car? And then Noah and Caleb will just go to you. So my best finish is fourth, and that was the very first race of the 2023 season. Um, I'm, I'll be the first to say I'm not great with heat races. I suck at them. I either step on my dick and spin out, or I just I just fall straight to the back because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if it's knocking the rust off from not being in it the last three weeks. But I normally I normally start pretty close to the back. I'll be the first to admit it. And the first race of the year, it was, li- it was a little rough. Dad told me, just slow down, race your race, do your own thing. And I think I, st- I started eighth or ninth, I want to say. And I worked my way up to third at one point and had some good battles with uh, Wayne, Dustin, uh, Andy Frey. And I ended up getting passed on the last lap by a nose at the flag stand by Dustin Challensworth for uh, fourth. So. I think by far my best finish since we've started racing was the fifth place at Hidden Valley, even after I ended up crashing out. But as far as finishes at Hummingbird go, it was our 2022 season. I ended up getting sixth, which was my first ever time getting scales ever in the car. And Caleb can attest, I you you'd have thought I won the feature that night after I pulled back in the pits. I have some GoPro footage of that night, and you can even tell, like, after I pulled back down in the pits that I was. I've been there. I finished one one feature race. I was in fifth, trying to make a move for fourth almost the whole race till I spun, go figure. I ended up finishing ninth, um, but it was, it was the first race I've ever finished in I was so excited to see this guy down there. Just he was probably more happy for me than I was. Um, we, we, yeah, and it was. Even the, Brad was wound up about it. it, it you it was know, the, the small victories, which is setting those smaller goals, are kind uh, of. Dad, Dad always told us this too. To uh, we always we dream about winning. We dream about you know getting that trekker flag and cardboard trophy, but. To win, you must first finish, and I feel like that's a battle most people most people fight nowadays. Is they just they just want to go out and no, I've had just pe- win, I've so. had people trash talk that don't race, mm. which is kind of I I it was I thought it was awesome. You're trash talking me. I told him I said you can come out and try it, man. It's, it's I thought it would be easy, and I was wrong. It ain't the video games. It's not behind you the wheel of your street car. Yep. You know, totally different thing. Oh yeah. Uh, for the longest time, rookie year, I think our rookie year our best finish was sixth. It was our first time ever having a car on scales at the racetrack. And I held that for the longest time, and then we bumped up to fifth. And then Josh, like you said, first race out, we got fourth. And my last time out was uh, I ended up getting fourth. I got that just by getting by uh, Wayne Truitt off the restart of the last uh, two laps. But... Honestly, I'd say this to everybody, Mitch Dials, Wayne, that is by far my favorite race, the most fun I've ever had in one ever. And then that same night, heat race-wise, I was battling Andy Frey and Dustin Challensworth, and I was leading and then missed my line, stepped on my dick, and Dustin got by me. But heat race-wise, my best finish is second. Yeah, and I tell you what, you guys racing up there, great competition. Absolutely. 100%. Some you of the know. best guys that, that we've seen race from Josh Fields, Tim Stice, Dustin Challensworth, 
Jimmy Challensworth being in it for a couple years, and Mike Anderson being in it. Those are just some of the best driving guys you could see around. You throw Josh Fields in any car. Like the first night he raced his dad's car, he went out and won the freaking race. So I said I was going to stir the pot with you guys and kind of have you call each other out, but I think I'm just going to continue down a little bit of a sentimental road we went on earlier. And well, we can we can cross that, you know, getting pissed off at each other yeah. towards the end. We'll uh, cross yeah, that yeah. bridge when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say for each of your brothers, so I guess you each get two here, would be your proudest moment for them racing? Um... Oh God, Josh got to say something nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's an uncommon Hurt, occurrence. He got quiet <laughs> what? Yeah, for once. So, like, retrace back to the best finish. Uh, question is just seeing them to do well, no matter what the, you know, what place they finish, what whether they spun it out twice and you know, got DQ'd. If if they do well, I'm I'm absolutely proud of them because. We, I, I know how much they work towards trying to do well and trying to do their best. And when it shows, it's it's a proud brother moment. Just cheering on from that from the fence. So, I'm gonna side with Josh on this one here. It's like seeing these two do good. It's like you can ask people that are standing by the fence with me. I'm screaming half the time until my voice is hoarse, pretty much. <laughs> But just seeing these two do good, like, it don't matter if they made scales just as long as they finished cars in one piece and we can load it on the trailer the same way it came off. It's a proud moment for all of us, in my opinion. Like, any night that that car goes home somewhat like the way it came to the track is always a good night for me, in my opinion. Uh, I got to go back to the beginning of the, our 23 season. First race of the year, track was rough, and Josh Josh just drove the piss out of the car the same night he finished fourth. And we were all there for that one. Then for Noah, I would have to say last year uh, for the 22 season in the two-day show at the Dirty Bird, uh, dad and mom had to go to Josh's game. He had a, against Bellwood Annis, and... It was only me, Noah, and a couple friends. And Noah got six that night. Like he said, he thought he won the damn feature. And just even though it was a light light field and had some of the fastest guys in the pure stock class there, Noah may have got lapped, but it was his first time making scales, and he was as happy as he could ever be. And just getting to hear the stories from, like, if I'm in the car, or getting to see these two on the fence. It's it's a blast just being there every weekend and getting to spend time with family and friends. I would probably there's just so many proud moments you could end up asking for. 100%, I agree. Don't ever lose it, you know, definitely. I mean, I've gotten a screaming match with my brother and my dad and you know, even me and Brad get back and forth as well and you always have them moments like you have them bad nights where it's like fuck this shit i'm never doing this again i'm done i've had my fair share moments with that i think we've all had our fair share moments with why are we doing this like there were sometimes like we couldn't go 
three weeks without the nose being torn off the car or just broke shit. Like, our 22 season, we struggled like hell with engine problems and then put another engine in the car, hurt that engine, and then had the first engine fixed, and then most of them issues went away after we found out what that problem was. And then we've, I would say, conquered them moments. I mean, there's been times during the 23 season we've all had, we've had times it's like, why in the hell are we even doing this? Yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong. By the time you get the car loaded back on the trailer and you're starting down the road, you're already thinking about next week. Yeah, I've I've sat in my car, take the helmet off, and just kind of stare at the back of the trailer, saying, "Is this it? Is this the last time I'm doing this?" Because I, I can't put reason to what I'm what I'm doing. I've had nights where it's like I'm mad. I've kicked the side of the car, like I'm fucking done. I sit in the truck because I'm pissed off, and then Josh, Dad, or someone will come talk to me and kind of talk me over. We only have those real real using like a kindergarten term there's real big emotions because we love it yep and we we we're holding ourselves accountable and, and and really striving for being the best we can be so it's it's not a bad thing to have so i guess getting ready to close out kind of interview the interviewer here do you guys have any questions for us on track off track podcast uh, future plan, whatever. I mean, you can say no. Go to hell, Connor. I don't care. Uh, this is targeted towards both of you. Like, everyone has their well-known reason, and Justin uh, tapped into it a little bit earlier in the episode. Uh, what was your main reasonings on targeting, like, getting into dirt racing? So, uh, getting into dirt racing, like I said, was from watching the joiners and stuff, because I, I knew uh, I went through a depression spell. Um, 2020, 2019-ish, where I was really down, and I'm, I was struggling to find a purpose. And uh, I turned. It was COVID. Yeah, kind of like the right only the beginning. The only thing going on was racing. That's why. That's why it was big. Early I racing, big. um, and they got back to racing with no fans, but it was the only sport back. Um, so I really, I've always been kind of like a NASCAR fan. Uh, Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, but when, when that came back, I was really lost without sports. So NASCAR coming back was my first sport and because it was the only thing to watch, I really dug into it, grabbing the radios, listening to the driver's conversations. Um, and that kind of became my climb out of depression was racing. Um, so I had a conversation with my wife about getting into it somehow. It started out. Uh, throwing a post up down in Jennerstown looking to be a spotter. And that was hard to get into. And I said, well, maybe I'll just buy some, some shitbox four-cylinder and and make bumblebee noises around and, and just, just something to wrench on. And my wife, God love her, she, she looked at me and said, you're not doing that. You're not going out and being a fool. And I don't mean that by any disrespect to the four-cylinder drivers. It's a huge supporting class. But she said, you're not going out and being a fool. You're either buying a sprint car or a late model, or I'm not letting you do that. Go back or go home. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, life has been on an uphill turn 
since then. I mean, financially, it's been downhill. Oh, yeah, most <laughs> definitely. We're all financially uh, but, unstable but, you know, with these cars. Yeah, I, 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 I had that very little. Car. If you had that very little money, he, he, he might be able to help you. <laughs> hey, hey, Gary. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I can easily say, you know, even though as a first-generation driver, right, racing saved my life. Um, and that's why my mission has been far from really winning and dumping the money into the car as much as doing these podcasts and putting out the media and going to car shows um, because it, it's never been about that for me. It's just been about having that thing and racing's my thing. You picked up a, you've, you've picked up lifelong friends, man. Yeah. And that's Honestly. the other, that's the other part is I going into adulthood gets kind of weird and you lose friends. And oh, you, most definitely. Um, I'm, I'm just now getting into that. Like, I've had a bunch of high school friends, and I mean, there's still only really about one or two that I talk to, and I can consider them two of my best friends, and being around racing our whole lives, we've picked up, yeah, they might be older than us, but honestly, you could consider a lot of these people at the racetrack, you could consider them uh, new parts of the family. Yeah, there's so many people out there to give you the shirt off your back, their back. Oh, most definitely. They might not tell you their racing secrets. Oh, no. They won't tell you your setup. Unless you're a... Uh, that, that dad, Jim, that unless your dad uh, talking, in. <laughs> no, he don't help me none. What the hell? Unless you're talking with mom, and then she'll tell you straight, straight up how it is. Yeah, she'll with with the way dad is with Fuzzy. Him and honestly, you would consider dad and Fuzzy might as well be brothers. And just the way they treat each other on and off the track, pissing and moaning with each other, bitching about this or needing help with something, turn stirring the shit pot. Of course, um. Mom, she tells Dad, uh, once Fuzzy started getting real quick with this new car he has, she goes, oh, are you done telling him your fucking secrets? <laughs> well, I think we've we've talked about it with, with George, and uh, Gary told me, he said, he's always trying to help me. Um, he said, it's no fun if I beat you and you're in the pits. I want to race you. Yeah. And I, th- I think you and Dad had to talk about Sankey. Sankey always said, I'll, I'll always help you until... Until you beat me, then. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's we've had a couple people say that about us too. We'll help you until you beat us. But uh, newsflash, they're still helping. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a given right there. But. No, I mean, I always get back to the camaraderie uh, when when it talk, we, I talk about racing. Is like, I don't think there's a single late model driver out there uh, at Hidden Valley that I haven't talked to, and they haven't given me some kind of advice. Uh, the problem comes comes when I'm trying to put 14 pieces of advice into one one lap. It doesn't exactly work. That's sometimes like no hate to anybody, but that's sometimes a bad thing. It's like listening to too many people gets you in a predicament that right. But there, there's there's not a a weekend that I go. Oh, I got to avoid that guy. Um, I think I have everybody's number. I think I have everybody's. I'm on a first name basis with everybody. It's either phone number or Snapchat, depending on who you are. <laughs> You're going out the back stretch and Connor's waving you past, like, just go around me. Just go around. It's happened. I think that was the, I don't know how you got behind me. Oh, you hit that mud mound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're going to pass me. Just go ahead. I even waved at Sam so he knew that I was letting you go. Um, Well, then going off on a tangent, uh, wrapping it up. Uh, gentlemen, do you have anything you want to put out there? Obviously, you know, sp- shout out your sponsors and everything, everybody, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, you know, this year we, we lost our biggest sponsor, you know, JR, because he, he had some family issues going on in which, you know, he's helped us the past. He's helped Dad since 
20, since just before COVID. And he, him and his family and his friends have just been, he's just been awesome to us. Um, it, it's going to suck to lose him, but if you see our car, you'll see a special thanks to Jared Turner because he's done so much for our team and for this sport. Um, another person is Russ Clark Motorsports, Keystone River Recovery. Um, Dylan, Kevin, Russ, they all have been just great guys to us because he they've helped Dad with some business stuff and they've helped us with some race car stuff and they basically said, we'll figure it out, we'll figure it out, we'll figure it out. And they've just been so well to us. Um, John Conklin, Sierra Race Engines, he's been he's been a great help because he, he'll do anything for us. He'll do anything for anybody as long as you don't get on his get on the wrong side of him and he'll basically say hell with you then. Um, uh, Randig, Ed Randig, out of uh, Millville, PA, he just came on with us a couple of years ago. Um, he's he's been a great help just c- because he goes, I I love those stuff you guys do. I love how your family owned team, everything comes out of your pocket other than sponsorship and. He he just loves the fact that we are a family atmosphere and appreciate everything he's done. Um, what now? Sure, go ahead. I mean, I'm second. I gotta get, give a huge shout out to my boss and one of our head engineers, Ryan Kirkwood and Ramey Womer of UMI Performance. Save came on board with us last year, helped us out a little bit, and they're helping us out a lot this year. I mean, other than being employed by them, I mean, it's got to be two of the best people that I know outside of the dirt racing community. I mean, Ramey's been in in and out of dirt racing here with Trent running his car now and again, but huge shout out to them two guys. I mean, I'm employed by the one, so <laughs> I can't, I don't have anything to say, anything bad to say about either of them. Um. I think, truthfully, one of the best guys that, you know, he's had he's had really good chassis around the sport ever since. There, there's always this picture floating around in breaks, and it's called Badass Rebels. There's Gary Little, Danny Curry, and Dan Smeal. Um, Kenny McLaughlin, he approached Dad a couple of years ago, said, hey, I want to I wanna build you a car. And truthfully, it was, wasn't in our financial state at the time because, you know, that's like right after COVID, everybody was struggling and, dad messaged him this year and said hey are you still interested in this but let's make it a pure stock so kenny has been very outgoing with information very he's just been very good to us he he's getting started on our car now and hopefully we'll have it in the next couple weeks um and truthfully we we don't really have a crew we have each other that's why we can't piss each other off because we piss each other off like josh says we don't have a, a specific crew in the last three years we've been running, I've had a select few friends. Noah's had some. Josh has had some. But some of the biggest ones we probably got to thank in the last year to give us help is probably Raven Fuller, Ben Eckelberger, even Ben Heim showing up when he can, when he doesn't have work, and Kevin Van Zant, and even Josh's future uh, father-in-law, Dance Meal. They, they will... Any of them guys, they will give you the shirts off of their back, and they will make sure they do anything to, if any of us are in the car, they will make sure that we are on that track having a blast. And with it being close friends and almost family pretty much, they they are some of the best guys, and they will get a hold of you in any state of mind and just see how you're doing and 
couldn't thank any of them enough. And even, like, Peach called it uh, a couple years ago. He called it Animal's Army. We Just anybody. <laughs> anybody that showed up was a part of Animal's Army. And we can't thank the corner of the pits that we park in. There's just so many to thank that have helped us out throughout the years. Josh is our sponsor person, so he, he hit that right on the head. So Bloom Family Racing, if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do still have some spots available. No, but, uh, you know, you guys kind of made your start pretty similar to when I made my start, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and the timelines kind of add up in my head right now. It's been really fun to watch. You guys, uh, you know, I don't mean jacked anybody, but from an outside source, I'm pretty proud of what you guys have become. And, Thank you. And uh, the way you carry yourself and you work together, it shows a lot. And it shows uh, it shows people that it's possible. Um, it's not exactly a money man sport. You just got to have a group of people who you love to work with and you, you trust and and Rock send it. And do what you love. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I'm now. I'm, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Who has been your push or your idol that has pushed you into being a dirt track driver? Not doesn't even have to be dirt. Who has been your idol and your push to want to be a driver? With my situation, it was more, what do I love in this moment? Um, because I was lost. But who who kind of pushed me to stay and who, who keeps me going right now in the dirt track community is the guy to my right. And Justin, I mean, he's, whenever I'm down, he's on, don't say it that way, whenever I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I'm down, you know, he's picking me up. Whenever I don't, you know, I'm I'm mechanically inclined, but these things are a different beast um, with the geometry and just the little ins and outs, the way things work. Um, he's, I don't want to say holding my hand, you know, after that last laugh, but he's he's really, he's, 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 he's steering me in the right direction and making sure that I'm not um, astray. And there's times where he, like, for example, I, I put my first new tire on the end of last year. I've been running new stuff from other people. Um, I had no idea how to groove a tire. Uh, he literally grooved the tire for me, showed me how to do it, what each thing meant, why you would do it this way. Um, it, it keeps me going. Yeah, I try to top that one, big dog. I don't know why you follow me. It's not like I'm winning a bunch of races. Hey, hey. I won one. Okay, and it, what happened, uh, what I tell you, you know, the guy who doesn't finish a race, I look at him, I said, keep your shit under you early. Track's going to come to you. You've got a winning car tonight. Yeah. Amen to that. And he, yeah. and he did, and I damn near cried. What? I was cussing you out that night, though. When you spun out <laughs> you twice. <laughs> well, you should figure on me spinning out twice now. Answer the damn questions. Well, the last one, well, were you the green-white checker? No, no, I was off because I watched you finish. My truck was loaded. I my uh I was there for that. My uh, I'm telling you, because I was coming up. My car was loaded already, so was, there was a couple cautions between us. But I, I came up and I'm like, "What lap is?" And there's a green white checker, and I saw you were in the lead, and I was just holding my breath. I'm telling you, I could hear my dad going, "I don't care if you blow it up, just fucking I'm telling you, it. If I could have put my foot out through that floorboard, it it would have went. Oh, that's, I said I almost felt bad following Milton down to hug you because I was. I was so damn excited for you. That was like 
I think that was the day we kind of. Yeah. We kind of clicked. That was uh, that was a tough night on me, but uh, my inspiration to be a driver was my dad. My dad, my grandfather, and and Rocky, and you know George. Uh, very first person I called when I got out of the car was George. He didn't answer. It was late at night, but <laughs> I have the I have the voicemail on my phone still. You know, he he called. He left me a message. It was like ten o'clock the next day. He's like, uh, I've called twice, but uh, say you partied a little hard last night. Uh, call me when you get around. You know, but uh, my my granddad, my dad, even Brad. Brad pushes me to to do the best I can. Even my brother. My brother, he's he's at every race. My mother, my whole family. I mean, just just like you guys, you know it it is it is Owen's family racing on our side. Yeah. So. And you guys accepted me, so. <laughs> and, and, and now. Yeah. Owen's man. Owen, no, you don't. You don't have to throw me. <laughs> I don't need the name. I just need to be. I, you know, if I can sit in the back of the cookout and kind of smell the food, it's fine. Uh, this is towards Connor. Like, Dad, growing up, um, we grew up around Sheets McGarvey, and one of the wisest quotes I've ever heard Dad say is from Sheets: "If you aren't gonna win the race, at least do something spectacular." And from the amount of stories you've told us tonight, you've always done something fucking <laughs> spectacular to get remembered hey. by. Until the end of this year, when is when it really started to bother me. But if I could go out and make three laps, I was happy with three laps um, because I set the goal for me. I set the goal at the beginning of every season. It's pretty much have fun. Oh, yeah. This year was finished fifth in points. Um, financially, that just wasn't feasible this year. Um, but next year, it's not going to be any different. You know, we're starting to build up our program and kind of understand some things some more, get some more assets in the shop. Uh, but it doesn't matter. None of it's going to change my life. That's not why I do it. I do it for the, the, the 2 a.m. conversations with the beer in hand in the pits, uh, the, the kids smiling, and just the camaraderie. Otherwise, money means nothing to me. And I think a lot of people in this sport get away from that. Like, they start winning races, spending boatloads of money just to be fast, and then they start getting away from, like, the camaraderie. The camar- uh, it's three syllables now. <laughs> it might be more than three. I don't know. <laughs> I went, can't count. He's been I drinking went to Kerwinsville. <laughs> I went to Kerwinsville, so. But I think a lot of big teams, like, want to call them lo- big local teams have kind of walked away from that. It's like they're more worried about, you know, winning races, bringing money home. And I've watched people shed, shred $300 tires and do $2,000 in body damage to win 500 bucks. I, I feel like on I don't think supers are the worst class for, I don't want to say, like, ungrateful, but the most ungrateful class right now, I feel, is the Penn Ohio Pro Stock class. They're spending late model money, expecting to win, late model, expecting to get a late model purse, and then they know the purse when they build a race car. Yet they continue to bitch about a five hundred dollar fit. Right. Uh, or, I mean, five hundred dollars for a pro stock when you compare it to what everybody else is making—that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. 
you compare it to like the just hypothetically like even the four cylinder purse or even a pure stock purse we're winning what three hundred dollars for the pure stocks 225 i'm i'm not hating on tracks for that or anything because truthfully if i win 40 bucks at the end of the night hell and that's even money to just go right back into your gas tank Uh, and i try to explain this to people when they like what do you mean it costs you 15 dollars a race said yeah you go out to the bar you go out and have a steak dinner on saturday night that's 20 or you guys spend 100 120 yeah. bucks and that, how much fun did you have really when you yeah. come back the next day mm-hmm. and like World i don't like i said I, I don't want to say they're ungrateful but they know they know the purse they know they know the purse and they know what they're gonna make at the end of the night when they decide to spend $40,000 on a Penno High Pro And I think when you have these cars, you're going, well, I'm not building a car this year because the money's not enough. Well, all you're doing is hurting it. Yep. If your car counts lower... You're just hurting the class in general. It's going to go down, yep. yeah. Um, I mean, I would like to think that was common sense. Mm-hmm. I was an honor roll, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, boys. Boys. To men. <laughs> Squeeze that one in there for you. <laughs> Uh, it's it's been a privilege. Absolutely. It's been fun. Much like your dad, we could probably do this all night. Oh, most definitely. I, yeah. I know a lot of people don't have five hour commutes. So, um, good luck next year. Thank you. I'm right back uh, at you guys. Stay safe. Uh, most importantly, have fun. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. that's all our that's our goal in the sport is just to have fun and just go out and just race. Yeah. Do what you love. Yep. Absolutely.